Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. Today, we bring you highlights from the 2022 Clean Air Rally that happened on July 23rd. The Clean Air Rally is a partnership between Metropolitan Congregations United, United Congregations of Metro East, the Sierra Club, the Nature Conservancy, and the Missouri Coalition for the Environment. If I decide to cast aside, never again could I look in her eyes. How could I turn away when my mother's dying? She suffered, gone down the path. If I'm inclined to silence my mind, I may as well have wielded the turn away when my daughter's crying how could I witness her spirit unwind if I resign to ignorance I'm building the prison turn away when my country's dying brother and friend line up their side if I decline to do what is right never Good morning and welcome to the virtual air quality rally. My name is Miles and I will be your host for the for the morning. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce Father, uh, Reverend A, bridge pastor at Bil Pilgrim Congregational United Church of Christ and member of Metropolitan Congregations United Interfaith Environmental Justice Task Force who will provide an opening reflection for his morning event. Oh, thank you, uh, Miles. Uh, again, I want to uh, uh, welcome you uh, as Miles uh, have done. Um, 
uh, thank all of you for being uh, with us this morning. Uh, I just want to take a couple of minutes and uh, have us reflect on in the uh, Christian uh, biblical text um, in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. Uh, I want to use the uh, imagery there for our reflection. Uh, you will know there that uh, talks about the creator uh, taking and creating a human from the dust and then breathing life into uh, that human. I want us to imagine this morning, uh, us, each and every one of us, having that same posture, leaning over one of our neighbors to breathe life into them. I believe that the creator uh, uh, desires that we have life. And in order for us to have life, we need to have good uh, quality air to breathe. Those who we know live in industrial zones need quality air. Those who live in communities like Jeff Vanderloo, Cahokia, uh, Greater Ville, the Ville neighborhood, all deserve to have good quality air to breathe. And so as we have come together, it's my hope that the reason you have joined us today is to help and support us in this movement to make sure that our neighbors, our families, uh, those who enter in and out of uh, neighborhoods where we see black and brown people who are often found in those neighborhoods uh, are often uh, find themselves in locations without good quality air. So I hope that you have joined us today for that reason as we go forth in this call to see to it that we all have quality air. Thank you. Thank you very much, Reverend A. And now we will move on to a few anecdotes from DeAndres Green treasurer of New Cahokia Commons, urban farm, a farmer, community organizer, St. Louis business owner, who will speak about her experience with air pollution in St. Louis. Yes, thank you so much, Miles. Uh, and thank you, everybody else, for attending. Um, you know, I, I was asked this week to speak for this event, um, and a few things came to mind. Uh, the biggest one was, yes, air pollution and, and how does that affect me and how has it affected me? Um, you know, I, I mentioned to um, one of my good friends um, who's been an ally and fighter against environmental uh, issues in this region, uh, Kathleen Logan Smith. And I talk, she and I talked about my history and where it is I come from here in St. Louis, I'm native of St. Louis. Um, and also East St. Louis, as um, my family uh, farmed in East St. Louis, Cahokia, uh, Caseyville, and so on. And I, I told her, I said, you know, I've been on this journey of being a provider of, of information and uh, someone who sows intentionally into community uh, to make my community aware of all the things it is that we deal with. And air quality is one that is significant. Um, and we don't have these discussions enough in community. For one, we, we don't have the time to focus on our health. 
uh, because a lot of us are working or just ill-informed, uh, ill-advised and not informed. Um, and I, I'm one of those as well, even with all of the access and information that I have. Um, you know, growing up in North St. Louis, we didn't have a lot of trees. You know, we lived close to a lot of industrial buildings. Uh, and, you know, where I grew up in uh, the Tar Grove or uh, the College Hill neighborhood, and we always had this saying if the air smelled sweet outside, it was time to go back inside uh, because, it, you know, I, I didn't live far from Hostess. So as a child, we used to assume that sweet smell. Uh, was hostess, and indeed it wasn't. My mother, years later, said, no, child, uh, that smell, those are pollutants in the air, and it's actually toxins in the air that aren't safe for you. Uh, and knowing that, my mother used to take us on the other side of town to South St. Louis uh, to provide us a way of cleansing our body and getting us into an environment that was a bit more healthy for us. Uh, that actually ended up being a regular behavior of my parents uh, to reduce our exposure to that environment, which now I understand as an adult why that's so critical and why, you know, it's been instrumental in my life as an adult because, uh, you know, I recently had a very unfortunate visit to the hospital. Uh, and I want to make this clear to you guys as a woman now remembering where it is I come from was so significant. Uh, I spent, uh, prior to my visit to the hospital three weeks ago, I uh, was door dashing in North St. Louis. And I said, I'll door dash in North St. Louis because I know these folks probably won't get access to dashers like we, we should, because that's generally the case. And so I did, I, I dashed for about three hours, three and a half hours. And then uh, I stopped because I was tired and I couldn't breathe. Uh, and then spirit told me to go home, uh, go home to my family. And so I did. And in the midst of trying to get out of my vehicle and walk to my door, I couldn't breathe. I was having difficult walking the same long block to my door uh, that wasn't normal for me. And so I called my family outside to help me get into our apartment and I said, you know what, I'm having dif difficulty breathing. I think I need to go get seen, but I'll, I'll wait because I don't want to expose myself to COVID and all the elements that are going on inside the hospital because I'm, I was scared. Um, and so we waited until the next day, um, that morning, uh, early morning, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I went to the hospital um, and, uh, you know, general practice, checked in, put my mask on. I was nervous. They finally put me into a room and uh, hours had passed. And then the gracious doctor came back and she made me sit down and she said, we have to admit you because we think you have blood clots in your lungs. And so I said, Lord, what's going on today? I came here thinking I may have pneumonia or, you know, an upper respiratory issue. Uh, and growing up in North St. Louis, it was common knowledge that if you lived in the neighborhoods I lived in, there was a higher chance you had asthma. Uh, and I'm the only member in my family without it, but I do have upper respiratory issues, chronic ones at that. And so I just assumed I had asthma. I was waiting for my diagnosis. 
And she said, no, we're admitting you in so you can be seen so we can make sure that we protect your life. And so at that point, it became a real reality for me. I immediately started crying um, because I was there by myself. I'm black, I'm female, I'm LGBT. The other thing started to run through my mind. How am I going to get care? How are they going to receive me? Is it going to be fair? Is it going to be an easy road for me? Am I going to be in the hospital for a long period of time? Will my family see me? Will this be the end for me? Um, and then I had to think about my child uh, because he didn't know either. And here I am in a hospital waiting to find out if things are going to become a challenge for me. Uh, luckily, uh, through all the testing with nuclear medicine in my body, scan, CAT scans, CT scans, MRIs, the works. You know, I have bills out of the <laughs> out of the stellar regions for me now uh, because I didn't have insurance, um, which is also devastating for me because now I have a bill uh, that I have to take care of because of poor air quality and and not being able to satisfy disciplines I needed to learn prior to this experience in, in the education and how to care for my body uh, and how to overcome poor air quality. You can never prepare for something like this. It's something that you are a hand that you're dealt. Um, and for me, that's unfair, it's, it's, it, but it's the reality that I have. And now that I'm out of the hospital and uh, the thing that hurts me the most about having this experience is, is the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. Uh, they ran all these tests and they, they said, Ms. Green, uh, we don't know what to advise. Um, they even asked, they said, there, there could be a greater contributor to the outcome of why it is you're having problems breathing um, but we haven't figured that out yet. So medicine and persons with degrees and, and understanding of my female body uh, couldn't figure out why it is I'm having the issues that I'm having with breathing. And then that's when my mother, uh, the history with learning from my mother kicked in. And I said, you know, I did spend an awful long time in North St. Louis. I did have uh, tons of exposure to communities that I know uh, have these issues with poor quality air. Um, and, and then I had that conversation with my good friend, Kat Logan Smith, and it finally hit me that I'd probably been exposed to pollutants that I'm not just allergic to, but haven't been exposed to in years because I've not been in my old um, community in years. Uh, so, you know, the reminder for me is to hold accountable entities that misrepresent my interests. Uh, first, because of my health, my life, my life matters to me before anything, because I am the first provider for my family. But more importantly, my community, we don't we don't we have voices that are always loud and active, but uh, but we aren't also heard. And that ends today. Um, and I say that to all of you that are on here listening to us talk to you about our experiences and the reason why we do the things that we do today. 
this is the end of a journey of, of just continued nonsense about air pollution. Uh, we need to stop. We need to hold ourselves accountable to changing uh, those practices of, of poor emitters into our air and, and, and allow ourselves to uh, change that course to do better. Uh, I'll pass this on to you guys, and I appreciate you so much for allowing me time to speak. Thank you so much, Deandra, for your story. Next, we're going to have Miss Mamie Cozy on a great grandmother, retired preschool teacher, resident of East St. Louis, and a member of United Congregations of Metro East, who will speak about her experience dealing with air pollution in East St. Louis. Ms. Cozy. Good morning, everyone. I'm delighted to be a part of this speaking engagement today and to share my story with all of you because my story is true. I am a great grandmother. I'm 81 years of age and I'm raising three of my great grandchildren. I am a member of United Congregation of Metro East. And I would just like, I'm getting a little emotion because the previous speaker spoke about what my concerns are for my grandchildren. I am a resident of East St. Louis and I live near the Veolia plant. In many days, my children are not able to go outside and play because of the poor quality of air, the air pollution, the toxic smell, the burning, in their throat and the coffee. One of my children have asthma, as she mentioned. And she really described my daughter who had a couple of episodes that appeared to be like seizure. But when I rushed it to Cardinal Glennon Hospital, they could not find what was wrong with her. And so it brings me to my concern about them and their long time health. How will this affect them? And she just described what I am so afraid of, the long term effect. I was told that this plant has been burning PFAS. I don't really know what PFAS does. I don't know what PFAS is, but I do know that there are times when we go out, we have to cover our mouth to get in our car to get away. And I do take my kids away when the whistle blow, because I know that there's something wrong. My husband was a stationary engineer and he says, when the whistle blow, you need to get out of that place or you need to go to a place of safety. So when it does go off, I get my kids and put them in the car. We drive away from the area. They be talking and I don't know what they're talking about. I don't understand what's going on. But rather than stay in that 
environment, I move them away. I don't think that my children should be subjected to this kind of pollution. I've been a resident here for about nine years and I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere else. I can't sell my home and my children should have a right to go out and play. That's their God-given right. As the minister said, and God blew into man the breath of life. And when you can't breathe clean air, you have no life. I know that something needs to be done about it. I am tired of talking about it. Our government could monitor this. They could. They can do things. My whole community is impacted by this plant. People are dying. Children are sick. In my community, I know for a fact that our children have a high level of lead. I was a preschool teacher, and when we tested them, their lead level was higher, much higher than children of other areas. I know even the EPA can do something about it, but they will not. They will not listen. We wrote to the EPA and they seem not to either not want to understand or just ignore the residents. We have elderly people like myself in this community. I have respiratory problems. And even this morning as I speak, I couldn't go out and drink coffee because it was toxic in the air. We have problems growing plants and flowers like other people. My little boy wanted a garden and I helped them because of the experience that I wanted them to have. But when he came up, it was all ate up. It was not edible. This is not the way that people should live in a community. I'm speaking out today because I know for a fact that our air is too polluted in East St. Louis. And she's in St. Louis, she's having the same problem that we have over here. It's time to do something about these plants in residential communities. It's time for us to stand up and say no more of this. And you, the government should say, Yes, we will come to your rescue. We will help you. We will do something about it. We will monitor the quality of air so that our children will have a healthy life. My life is almost over. But what about my grandchildren? Will they be suffering like this lady? 10 years from today, 20 years from today, I don't know, but I do know that it's time to act on their behalf because they cannot act for themselves. 
and I love them. I love my community. I love the people in my community. I love all of the children. It's affecting the entire community. We must do something and we must do it now. Save our families. I thank you for this great opportunity this morning. God has given us the breath of life. We ought to be able to enjoy it. And we can't because people desire to make money over life. It's enough. Thank you. Thank you for that powerful message, Ms. Cozy. We have to do something. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our first policy speaker to learn about things that we can do in our communities. Mr. Rajiv Ravulapati. Thanks, Miles. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name's uh, Rajiv. I am an organizer for the Sierra Club Beyond Coal campaign uh, located here in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Um, before I just begin, I do just want to, again, really appreciate the words of Ms. Cozy and our, and our other speaker. Sorry, I'm still processing. It was a very powerful story, and I really appreciate you guys sharing those, your experiences, because it is important, because these stories, with a lot of our organizing, it's these personal, powerful narratives that are the most opportune for, you, for change. Uh, and this is what the kind of these are the kind of things that people will listen to. So again, thank you to our first two speakers. You know, we're all here for one singular purpose: to combat the poor air quality that we live in our bi-state region. As we all know, air pollution has no borders. What's generated here in Missouri will waft over to Illinois. What's generated in Illinois will waft over to other states, and we breathe in that air. The reform that Sierra Club is partnering with MCU and this large coalition of people again on is here on the Missouri side, reforming the air permitting process. There needs to be more public hearing disclosures. There needs to be increased transparency. There needs to be environmental justice reviews of all types of permits, particularly with air. And the frank truth is here in Missouri, you know, our air is regulated by a body called the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. And they are consistent at failing us. They are consistent at failing the health and lives and protection of, of all Missourians. You know, in the environmental racism report that was written in, and published in 2019, a big part of that talked about air pollution. And a big part of air pollution are the associated health risks. And the primary one of the primary components of air pollution is ozone. For those who don't know, the Labadee Energy Center in Labadee, Missouri is the largest coal plant in the entire nation without any type of modern air pollution control measures. This plant continues to emit toxic pollution like ozone and sulfur dioxide, which only exacerbates the conditions of lung disease, low birth weight, diabetes, neurological developments in our children, as well as in our next door neighbors. You know, we've been talking about this issue for God knows how long. What I'm here to tell you are what you can do today and the direct follow-up after today's meeting is, one, 
if you are already engaged with this coalition, continue to do that, but also look for the volunteering opportunities that MCU, Sierra Club, and this coalition will continue to build out. One of the things that I'll be doing with MCU is creating a training series for people who want to attend public hearing to provide these kind of personal storytellings like man, like Ms. Cozy to our regulators, because we we need to be relentless on this issue like we've continued to been, but we have to bring it to them and constantly talk about it. But I just want to end on that, you know, on the Missouri side, this is a very troubling pattern of non-action by our by our state. Environmental justice does, does not get prioritized by our state government, by this administration, by our politicians. And that relentlessness that they do so often to deny our basic rights, the basic rights to clean air, we have to be just, in relent, just as relentless in advocating for these things now and for those future generations that Ms. Cozy was talking about. Um, so thank you for your time. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this issue, to work with MCU, to work with this coalition, and looking forward to con the continued environmental justice work that our bi-state region needs to push forward. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much, Rajiv. And now we will have Dale Wykowski, chair of the Kaskaskia Group of the Sierra Club of Illinois. Okay, good morning. Uh, uh, my wife and I have lived in the Metro East for over 39 years. Uh, I became active in environmental issues when I discovered uh, that the Prairie State Power Plant was in planning stages 20 years ago, as its location was about or is about a mile from where I used to live. We helped, uh, my wife and I helped organize the local residents to resist the zoning issues and help fight several of the air and water permits. I became involved in uh, air issues related to the Granite City Steelworks and, of course, the Veolia Incinerator and Soje, we began taking actions concerning these issues. Last year, I had the privilege of working alongside members of the Illinois Clean Jobs Coalition, many of whom are here today, to pass the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, which was signed into law by Governor J.B. Prisker in September of last year. CJA is a, a nation-leading climate policy that puts Illinois on a path to independence from volatile, expensive fossil fuels, and prioritizes environmental justice communities in our clean energy transition. Within the past year, we have started to see CJA in action. Training centers have opened to train clean energy workers. Sites of farmer coal plants have been converted to solar fields, and Illinoisans have increased access to affordable electric vehicles. The passage of CJA was a result of nearly three years of grassroots advocacy efforts from volunteers and advocates all across Illinois. To me, CJA is proof that when we work together, we can truly prioritize equity and justice in critical climate legislation. Now it's time for us to work together with our neighbors in Missouri to ensure communities on both sides of the Mississippi River have access to clean air and fossil fuel polluters are held accountable. As we know all too well here in the Metro East, the fossil fuel industry has placed the heaviest burden of air pollution on environmental justice communities. And these 
injustices have been perpetuated by redlining, disinvestment, and barriers to the community engagement. These injustices have caused myriad public health impacts, including disproportionate rates of respiratory health issues. Thankfully, in Illinois, legislation that will address air pollution and environmental injustice already exists. In the spring legislative session this year, lawmakers introduced a bill called the Environmental Justice Permitting Bill. This bill requires large air pollution facilities to conduct cumulative impact assessments and creates avenues for community involvement and education in the air permitting process. Illinois policymakers must reintroduce this bill as soon as possible and ensure it passes in the next, next legislative session. Across the river, Missouri policymakers must ensure similar improvements are made to the air conservation permitting process. Together, Illinois and Missouri can ensure our communities have access to clean air, clean water, and livable communities. After all, Mother Earth does not see our state boundaries, and the air we breathe and the river we share must be protected. I just got to say, you know, in all my involvement in these air issues and water issues throughout the years has just really impacted my life and my wife's life. When they started building the power plant, uh, the only thing I hit in my mind is if I didn't do everything I could, even if I wasn't successful, if I didn't do everything I could to uh, stop this power plant, I would, I would never be able to live with myself. And that's the way I feel with all these other issues, such as Veolia, and actually what's going on in Granite City is, is just as bad. So that's all I got to say for now. Thank you very much, Dale. And now I would like to introduce Zach Chike, community activist, East St. Louis resident, and youth minister at City of Joy Fellowship, who will emphasize the importance of community engagement. As he said, my name is Zach Chike. I'm just grateful to be on this call with all of you this morning. And uh, I just wanted to really start off by saying I'm just, I'm a big proponent of um, just being the change. I believe wholeheartedly that's something that I, I've, I've just really been trying to live out uh, these last few years intentionally because I believe that when we become the change, we start manifesting things because we are pushing and forcing people that should already be doing what's right to do what's right. And sometimes we have to force people to see it and to see us. And it's sad that we have to continually hear stories upon stories of just the type of environmental injustice that's happened in East St. Louis. Um, we have to continue to manifest the change and we are the change. Um, just like the previous speaker said, it's he couldn't live with himself because what should be happening isn't happening. So something needs to change. And we are agents of change in our community that we always have to speak. We always have to uh, advocate for ourselves. We continue to, um, we never give up because this is long overdue. Um, what's happened in East St. Louis over the several decades, we've been unprotected, vulnerable to the worst kinds of environmental injustice, uh, and it's just swept under the rug. And our community needs to be restored. I mean, I'm living in the community. I've been here six years with my wife. I'm raising four small kids. And these are things that bother me about what is allowed 
to blow into East St. Louis. And it's not considered, uh, it's not taken seriously to the point where it needs to be, something done, needs to be done about this immediately. And that's why we push for change. I'm change in our community, along with everybody else on this call, we need to continue to be that change and demand change so that our community can be restored. And in order for that to happen, it's gonna take people from both sides of the river. It's gonna take everybody to have the same kind of mindset saying, if not me, then who? Who's gonna do it? It's up to us to push for change and to ensure that change happens because it will come. I, I, am, I am of the mind and belief that it will come because there's something powerful about the energy of people who are wanting to do what's right, what's just, what will allow, like has been touched on so much, life to be breathed into places, for life to be breathed into East St. Louis and communities like East St. Louis. We've been denied a lot of those basic rights and we can't allow that to happen any longer. And so two crucial things that I've just been thinking through it's just we need to be able to hold uh, people accountable, uh, companies accountable. We need to have air monitoring, um, air quality monitors so that we're able to hold people accountable. We don't just uh, look to somebody else and just trust in their word. We have to be able to bring something to them so that we can know where they're at. And then also ensuring that the Illinois uh, Environmental Justice Bill passes all the things that have been worked so hard for and people that have been fighting this fight. We need to make sure that we get behind it and make sure that we have the manpower and, 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 and people that can get behind these bills to make sure that our uh, demands are met. And so it's real pivotal that we stay engaged. And I'm grateful to be on this call right now because I genuinely believe that each one of us are to change, that it is something that is contagious, that when we speak up and that when we refuse to allow these things to continue and we'll make more and more noise. We're gonna make more and more noise. They should be tired of hearing from us because we're gonna cause you, we're gonna, we're gonna always push you to do what's right. And until it's right, you're gonna continue to hear from us. We can't move on from this. We refuse to. I, I'll spend my whole life fighting for what's right because I will be able to say, at the end, I will be able to say, I did what was best for my children, for my community. And I believe that that's what God calls me to do. And so I'm just thankful for each and every person on this call. The change, it will not happen without you. It will not happen without me because we are the change. We are becoming it, we're manifesting it and we are going to be successful. And so thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be on this call. Um, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Zach. And now for the closing reflection, I would like to introduce Father Jim Mickler, a missionary with the Archdiocese of St. Louis, who spent many years in Bolivia and who now serves the Hispanic community at St. Cecilia in South City and Immaculate Conception in Arnold. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for uh, sharing uh, your stories and how we need to uh, work to improve quality of air and quality of water. And just to uh, relate uh, something that I experienced working in Bolivia, in La Paz, Bolivia, uh, it's a city of 12,000 feet in altitude and uh, the challenge sometimes for breathing. 
But years ago, especially, there was the being south of the equator, the uh, seasons were the opposite. So winter, June 23rd uh, would, was winter, of course, it would be summer here, but June 23rd was the uh, eve of the uh, feast of St. John the Baptist. They call it uh, San Juan. And people would build uh, bonfires and they would roast uh, hot dogs. They, they would drink. And everybody looked forward to uh, the night of San Juan. But uh, people were having respiratory problems. And finally, uh, the municipal government uh, acted on this and advised people that there would be fines if they continued to, uh, to build uh, these bonfires. So little by little, uh, the air quality was improved. It took a lot of time for people to uh, accept the fact that it wasn't healthy. And the following day, June 24th, uh, there was so much smoke in the air, so much pollution that uh, it was impossible for planes to arrive in the airport above the city of La Paz. So uh, people had to make a choice about wanting to continue what they enjoy doing, uh, building these bonfires and neighbor, people getting together, people getting together and talking to each other, sharing, which is fine, but uh, they had to accept the fact that uh, we need to do something about the air quality uh, at that time. So I'm grateful for uh, that something was done that I wasn't so exposed to such uh, toxic uh, air uh, for some years. And uh, it's just like uh, what we're saying is that people have to make a choice. They have to look beyond what they want for themselves and think of the uh, good of the entire community. So I find your, your sharings uh, very moving and I'm very grateful uh, for being having the opportunity to participate uh, in this uh, get together uh, virtually. So thank you very much. And now we're going to check out our upcoming events. These are more ways that you can get involved in the community um, after this rally. And uh, I would like to introduce now some of our organizing partners from MCU, UCM, and the Sierra Club. Uh, Jalen Cow. Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Jalen Cowell. I'm the Youth and Transformational Justice uh, Community Organizer with United Congregations of Metro East and East St. Louis. Um, as you see on the screen, the next event, August 6th, is our youth leadership training. Those are ages 14 to 24. Um, we just had one June 25th and we put them into action. Uh, the Cokia students just got a win after our training um, to create change in their schools. So if you do want to see changes and actually have your youth become powerful people, I suggest coming to our next training and taking that training into action. So it is from 10 to 3 at um, Take, which was the A.M. Jackson School, uh, which is August 6th, like I said, 14 to 24, 10 to 3, August 6th at the old A.M. Jackson School. Great. Thank you so much, Jalen. And J.D., I'm going to have you come right back. 
and yes, talk about the upcoming events for MCU. Yes, hi. Um, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Jeffrey J.D. Dixon. Uh, I'm the environmental justice organizer, one of the environmental justice organizers for the United Congregations of Metro. And uh, coming up August 27th, we have uh, United Congregation Metro's will be hosting the second annual uh, boxing uh, for justice, put down the guns, pick up the gloves, boxing event at uh, Eastside Stadium at St. Louis Senior High School football stadium. And that event will help promote uh, unity and community uh, within the St. Clair County region, as well as where uh, raise awareness to uh, the environmental justice issues that we're fighting, as well as the social justice issues that we are all uh, fighting for uh, for all. So that will be August 27th. The event will start at 5 p.m. at the East St. Louis uh, High School football stadium and hoping and looking to uh, see everybody there. And last but not least, Virginia with the Illinois Sierra Club. Uh, Hannah subbing in for Virginia here. Hi, everyone. Lovely to see you all today. I wanted to share that Sierra Club and Alton Main Street are partnering uh, for the 16th year in a row uh, to host the Mississippi Earth Tones Festival on September 17th. So I'll share a link in the chat for folks to learn more. We would love to see everyone on the call there to help us um, honor the great Mississippi River through art, music, and conservation. So please mark your calendars for September 17th to join us. And with that, we have reached the end of our air quality virtual rally. Thank you so much to all of our speakers, to all of our organizing partners, and to everyone who showed up today. Please stay connected and stay fighting for air quality in the St. Louis area. stirs the pond is the frog that jumps from me to me even still the earth soars at tens of thousands of miles an hour just yesterday the land thrived a growing store of plant and bees So many lost in our wake Who wish to live but never to be We could die at any time Put your hand close to mine It's fine to the beauty of life Die anytime, put your head and close mine. Let's fly to the beauty of life. Everything that moves and breathes is connected by the land and sea. I want my kids to see these things. From a herd of cattle to the hummingbird weed We could die at any time Put 
Put your head and close to mine Let's buy to the beauty of life We could die at any time Put your head and close to mine Let's buy to the beauty of life We could die at any time Put your hand close to mine Let's buy to the beauty of life We could die at any time Put your hand close to mine Let's buy to the beauty of Thank you for listening to highlights from the 2022 Clean Air Rally from July 23rd. If you're ready to join MCU in the work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or email office at mcustl.com. You can learn more and contribute to MCU on our website at mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. Music